Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 126. And do I have a guest for you today? She's probably one of my favorite humans in the world. I just love her. I could speak to her all day, every day. And I wish that I could just reach through my screen and just give her a really big hug. Her energy is infectious. Her knowledge is wild. And her work is so goddamn important. The one and only Jessica Ash joins me for her third time on the Warrior School podcast. And I was excited for a whole week before we recorded this conversation. And we talk about the gut. She is deep into creating her second baby that she's about to birth into this world. Her first baby was fully nourished, which is her signature course to help women learn about their physiology, their metabolisms, and how to powerfully and properly nourish their bodies. She's creating her second baby, and it is all about the gut. And so our conversation was on the gut. We talk about how our gut uh, is linked to our thyroid, you know, and our metabolism, we talk about digestion, you know, how does digestion work, Uh, digestion issues like leaky gut, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, you know, histamine, SIBO. Uh, We talk about her course, you know, the journey that she takes you on through the course, the different parts of her course, um, which is epic. It's really cool. Wait till you hear you know, how the course is structured, the rhythm, the flow, the content. Um, It's so much more than just a gut protocol that I'm sure, you know, most of you listening have done before. (laughs) Uh, It's really a metabolism, mineral and nervous system approach to the gut. So it's all of those three things and it's really, really cool. It was, it's been one of my most favorite conversations uh, on the podcast, even though I love all of the conversations um, that I have. But Jess is just such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, it runs so deep. Uh, and she, you know, the, the passion and the desire to help women really understand their bodies and to be able to lead themselves powerfully is one of the most inspiring and infectious things. Um, she's truly, you know, I'm, I'm so privileged to know her, to be in relationship with her and to have her on the podcast for the third time. So Warrior Woman, I really hope you enjoy this podcast episode with Jessica Ash on all things gut. 
when I'm recording this intro, I actually haven't created a title for it. So after I press stop right now, I'm going to go and write up all the show notes and create an episode title for it. But just so you know what you're diving into for the next hour, we're going to talk all about the gut and look at it from a metabolism, mineral and nervous system approach. Okay, warrior woman, enjoy. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. I'm just going to hit record straight away. Uh, and yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty. I know we, we, you know, we have stuff to just catch up on and I have a project going on that I can share about and lots of, lots of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get you on because of your new baby that you're about to birth into the world. Uh, and I want to talk all about the gut and, you know, what you've learned and, and your course. And, yeah. but, you know, I just, I really love talking to you. I could just talk to you for hours. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I, uh, I have really, this has become, this baby has become that I'm, I've been pregnant with now for almost two and a half years. I'm just so ready to be, to, to have it out but um, it has become something that I didn't even really know it was going to become. And I am nervous and both excited to just put it out into the world because it's so different. Um, this one is truly something that I've created like from scratch. So all of the principles, everything that I've taught, I've never heard it taught anywhere else. So it has been a little bit of a different, um, a different beast almost to create, yeah. um, just pulling things out of the ether and putting it into, into words. Yeah, it's like you're an elephant mama. Don't, yeah. yeah don't <laughs> elephants have a gestation period of like two years? Yeah. That is a good point. <laughs> I was, I was like thinking, yes, it is big enough to be an elephant, <laughs> but also yes, gestational period yeah. has been way too long. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're birthing it and it's going to be the size of a baby elephant. Yes, yeah, yes, it's going to be big. So I keep telling myself when I get frustrated that it's not quite done yet, that it's, you can't rush something like this. It just needs to be what it is. And this creative process has been different than last time. Um, 
I've been working really hard on, on my nervous system, working very hard on my patterns and my, just the way that I go about things being much more mindful. And it's been very difficult to work in a way that really honors and respects the rhythms of, of, um, I, I guess I could say like, I was respecting the rhythms of my cycle from a do, do, do standpoint from, but from an actually like kind of let it be standpoint and letting it flow. That's very new for me this year. So it has been interesting to just see like what happens when I just kind of let go and let it be and go with the flow. Um, cause I'm a very type a rule oriented kind of like you know this is the way you know hit my checklist and I haven't been doing it this way this time and it has been very interesting to just see what uh what that brings yeah could uh could you share a little bit about that I I find that really fascinating like what's the experience been like what have some really hard parts been around it what's been some really cool things yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, about, I would say about three years ago, I really started diving into the nervous system. This was kind of when trauma was becoming very popular. You know, everyone's talking about trauma and, you know, emotional baggage and all this stuff. And so I was, of course, um, more interested in it from a, the way that I go about researching is always like, I want to understand what's happening within the body. And then I'm always aware that the current literature often does not acknowledge the differences between the male physiology and the female physiology. So I'm always looking at, okay, this is how the literature or whatever this information is saying that the body processes this, but is there something different maybe from a, a feminine or female perspective that is maybe not being seen here. And so going through this, I realized that again, trauma and, and anything in the health and wellness sphere and really the self-help sphere can tend to be this way where it's just another thing you must do. Like healing becomes a to-do, <laughs> it becomes a part of your checklist and you can't do your way out of trauma. You can't do your way out of poor nervous system patterns. You can't do your way out of emotional baggage. These are things that you have to feel your way through. And um, as women, I think that we are, because we live in such a masculine oriented world where it's very much success driven and success oriented and achievement oriented, the things that we really need to embody, which is um, receptivity and flow and being okay with, with this almost the cyclical and dynamic nature of who we are that's looked down upon in our society. So it takes an, a conscious effort to get to that place where you can let it go. And you have to really work towards not caring what other people think and not caring what pace the rest of the world is going by, which is hard because it feels like everyone's like pew, 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 like you're on the road going five miles an hour and everyone else is going 70, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like day. you're the elephant walking slowly and then they're the cheetahs that are just like... <laughs> Yes. 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 It, it definitely can feel that way. And so it is like a conscious work effort to just chill out and say, this is where I'm at today and taking every day, just day by day and being present. And so 
that is not a way that I lived for a very long time. So, and I think I, it's been a few years of knowing where I need to go, but the work that needed to be done to get there and I'll actually feel okay being there was a whole nother, um, I don't want to say thing to overcome, but almost to work through. I had to really meet those higher parts of myself and say, we can do this. Like we can do it a different way. So it has been, um, it's been a mix of nervous system work and then retap kind of retapping into what is, you know, the feminine. I've been talking a little bit more about this on, on Instagram and my course will talk a lot more about what it actually means to um, have a physiology that needs to embody the feminine characteristics of receptivity and uh, like a cyclical nature, being dynamic. What does that, it, it really is a controlled chaos. And in a world that is so rigid and needs everything to be the same each day, controlled chaos is very societally just uh, not not really understood at all. It makes everyone very uncomfortable. I really, uh, I like that term. I like how you phrased it up, uh, controlled chaos. Yeah. 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 Like yourself, that creates a lot of friction for me because I very much Taipei, my work ethic, my capacity is so high that I can just like go and push. And for a really long time, I ignored all of those things that you just spoke about. And I still sometimes really struggle with them. Yeah, yeah that, that's good to know. I think, I think a lot of people in this space, when you're a creator, you work with women, you're a coach, there is this constant, it's not an arrival, you'll never get there. It almost is a balancing act of constantly practicing what you preach and not, I think sometimes as creators, we can also get like that imposter syndrome or almost feel like we're being hypocritical, but we have to remember that, you know, we are all just kind of on this journey. It's a constant balancing act. Sometimes the teeter-totter is going to be a little high and we have to put a little bit more weights on one side to bring it a little lower. And it's, you know, we are, um, I, I feel like we're just leading by example in a way, like it, it, nobody has figured it out. No one will ever figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're speaking, there is the whole like nervous system piece, you know, like nourishing and creating stability, but what I, what I'm hearing is it goes beyond that because I can be nourished and stable and, you know, all my markers can be great, but yet mm -hmm. I can still feel this, you know, I can still be going at a pace that maybe is not, um, not supporting me the best that it can when it comes to that, like the cycle and the, you know, the rhythms and the feminine energy that you're talking about. So for me, I'm visualizing when you're talking about is like, yeah, we can be like nourished and, and good and have that checklist of like, you know, that we like to tick off all of our markers, but then there's like this, this next, I guess, piece or this other layer to the onion, which is the work. It sounds like you've been in yourself and it's going to come through the course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really just kind of this, yes, there's the physical part of it, the data tracking, the nourishment, there's the emotional side of it, which is the nervous system, but there's also that spiritual side, the part of us that like, what is, what, who am I, what am I here for? And that I think oftentimes gets pushed down as like the least important thing, or I'll deal with that later, or it's not very important. Whereas it is everything. It's our essence. It's our, it's who we are. It's what 
shows up in the world. It's our, our vibrations, our energy, our electricity, whatever we want to call it. And of course that's going to impact our metabolism. Of course that's going to impact our happiness and our nervous system. And yes, we could have all the data say everything's good, but if that part of ourselves is being just completely suppressed or pushed down or ignored, we're not all good. And it will come out in one way, shape or form at some point. Yeah. So talk to us about, you know, what you're about to birth into the world. What is it? Yeah. So this course is a gut course and it is talked about as a gut course, because I think a lot of people struggle with digestive system issues. I found that that's probably the main thing in this kind of bioenergetic, pro-metabolic kind of sphere where everyone's trying to optimize their performance. Everyone's trying to optimize their metabolism. And yet it seems as if their guts just will not get on board. And so I used to take it as a very purely physical approach where it was like, okay, let's deal with the bacteria. Let's deal with this, you know, the, the, the thyroid, let's get the metabolism up. And for some people that absolutely did work, but for some people it was not working. And so that led me to really dive a little deeper, like what's going on with people's guts? What really is going on? And what I came across was, and came to the conclusion of was our gut is our processing system. It's not just where we process physical food and nutrition. It's where we also process our experiences. We have more neurons in our gut called the enteric nervous system than we do in our whole brain and spinal cord. And that's why we get these very strong gut feelings. That's why we constantly, our guts feel like they're in turmoil when something's wrong, why we can't eat or we get diarrhea because something is just not processing well. And when you constantly stuff emotional baggage or spirit spiritual issues down into your gut, because that's what we do, right? We just stuff it down our throat and then it goes through our throat. We feel that tightness into our chest and we feel the tightness in our chest. And then eventually it just goes to sit there like a rock in our gut and it will rot there until we deal with it and process it. (laughs) That's fun, right? It will rot there. (laughs) Yes. Literally rot your food too. And we have all these beings, all these energy uh, producing beings like bacteria and fungus that try to come in and clean up that dead, um, that almost that dead energy. And then we blame those things for those issues, not recognizing that no amount of physical work will fix the emotional or the spiritual that is stuck there, not processing, not able to come out of the body, not worked through, not felt through. We're trying so desperately not to feel and especially not to feel uncomfortable that we forget that we have to feel in order to get that stuff moving, get it out, get it where it needs to go. Yeah. So with, um, I'm just trying to think of a way that, you know, and you've been in this uh, work and research and creating it for years now, do we have an entry point that we can kind of start the conversation? Do you like to start it around the physical? Uh, Because that's what really resonates and vibrates with a lot of women because they experience a lot of gut problems. Is that where you kind of like to entry it in? Yeah. So I start talking about the physical and then I kind of dive into the nervous system aspect of it and then um, talk more about like the mineral component and the tissue component because they're all kind of interrelated, but that's how we can guide, you know, that conversation. Okay, ready, ready, everyone. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go on that little like journey. <laughs> Let's start with the physical. Should we mm. should we talk about like 
what is the gut? What is its role? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the gut, I think sometimes gets a, it's almost weird because everyone throws the word around, but I don't think they really even understand what it is. I know I did it. Um, I mean, I understood the physical aspects of what it did, but not really understanding that from mouth to anus, there's really this, this very controlled system. It's the only place where the outside world really is, comes inside the body and actually gets integrated into the body. That's a very vulnerable position for the body to be put in. And it's also a very, it, it needs to be a tightly controlled operation. The body tightly controls it for a reason. That's why we have specific mucosal membranes all the way down and we have different secretions to keep the gut really clear. So we have our saliva, which helps break things down. And then once food enters our stomach, we have hydrochloric acid and an enzyme called pepsin that really helps break down food and keep us uh, really safe from parasites and other organisms, bacteria. And it's supposed to be as acidic as battery acid. It would, if it got on your hand, it would burn right through your hand. Like it is acidic and it breaks down proteins. It pulverizes things. This is not like a, a weak system. It's very strong. Um, and then as it drops into the small intestine, we have the pancreas is going to secrete bicarbonate to neutralize the stomach acid. And then the gallbladder is going to secrete bile to help break down the fats and help you absorb cholesterol and fat soluble vitamins so you could build hormones. And then as that food moves through the small intestine, you have these little finger like projections all over that are picking up any amino acids, proteins, carbs, fats, enzymes are breaking them down. And then by the time it gets to the large intestine, that's where all your bacteria, all your friends, your microorganisms, your ecosystem presides, and then further will eat that food. And they, are, they work synergistically with you. They will produce some wonderful acids and some wonderful nutrients for you to absorb. And then you will carry out any waste that does not belong in your body. And of course, can, you know, that's a simplified version, but we have this tightly controlled system that is really run by the cells themselves, the metabolism. So it really does go back to do your cells have enough energy? Do, are they functioning properly? Do they have the minerals and the nutrients? Your gut requires so many nutrients, um, fat soluble nutrients, minerals to even just function. And most gut dysfunction, whether it be, you know, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, fungal overload, whatever it might be, comes back to the fact that these, um, that are these um, secretions, these uh, digestive secretions are not optimized anymore. And it's starting to break down from mouth all the way down. And that's really where a lot of women are finding themselves. Yeah. So what's causing the breakdown? Like, what have you seen in your work? Like, where is it breaking down? And, and yeah, what is, what's the, the main, I guess, issue behind all of this gut stuff? Yeah, I would say in multiple places. So oftentimes it's not going to be one specific thing. It's it's a whole systemic issue. And I would say it goes back to that kind of stress balance where you can look at it almost as like a bank account where your I call it your like health savings account where every time you support your body in some way, whether it's a nourishing meal, a good workout, a good sleep, you're adding to that bank account. And then anything stressful or anything that requires nutrients, right? Because that could be a bad thing, like paying your taxes on your super 
super stressed about that. Or it could be a good thing like being pregnant or breastfeeding. It's just one of those things that whatever requires nutrients is going to be quote unquote stress to the body. It's going to pull from that savings account. We want to be adding more than we're subtracting. But most of us are living in a constant deficit and having to put everything on credit, right? We are, we're really stealing from our future in a lot of ways, whether it's that hustle, 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 that third cup of coffee on an empty stomach, that toxic relationship we're in, that horrible job that we hate to go to. It takes all of our energy just to get up in the morning. Whatever it is, we're pulling more than we're saving. And we get to a point where we're just in that constant deficit. And no matter what we do, no matter how much we add to that savings account, we're in such that deficit that everything that we add just gets pulled immediately. And that's where a lot of women are living. And then over time, that doesn't just affect how we process physical things. It also affects our emotional state because this all requires us to be in a constant state of nervous system stress. Once we're in that deficit, we're in fight or flight. And eventually we can even enter that dorsal vagal place, which is also considered freeze, where we can't even sustain fight or flight. So in instead of um, going back into a normal parasympathetic rest and digest state, we move from that fight or flight or that sympathetic to just a complete frozen mode, a complete apathetic mode. And metabolically, that's where you look very hypometabolic. You know, your temperatures are low, your pulses are low, you're tired all the time. You just want to kind of lay around and watch Netflix. You don't really have energy to do anything. And then anytime that you do get any type of response or emotion, you're jumping right into fight or flight. So you're just going from frozen to fight or flight, frozen to fight or flight, not even entering that parasympathetic anymore. And the vagus nerve, which requires parasympathetic nervous system balance, it, it runs our whole digestive system, requires us to be in the parasympathetic. So the vagus nerve sends signals to every single part of our digestive system from throat to cervix. So if we're not jumping into parasympathetic ever, we are now messing with the nerve signaling to all of our digestive organs and reproductive organs. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was in university and I came across a paper, they were just starting to look at uh, someone eating in a sympathetic state versus a parasympathetic state and the role that had on the digestion and absorption of nutrients uh, and the difference of those two states in us being able to actually digest the food properly and absorb the nutrients from the food. Super interesting. Very, very. And that, that really brings us back to the nourishment where if you're living in a constant state of stress, you could be doing all the things, do, 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 hustle, 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 get all those nutrients in and you're not even absorbing them. You're not even getting the benefit from all the hard work you're doing because you haven't dealt with that nervous system or emotional. Um, I like to call them more, I don't like to call it trauma. I think it's more of an emotional pattern. You're stuck in a pattern um, or a program where you it's just running that program automatically now yeah so all of the the gut stuff that comes up so the bloating the constipation you know SIBO all of this would you say like at the root of it like systemically it's a it's a stress problem it's like the, the a nervous system problem 
Yes, I would say 100% without a doubt. And the body, you know, the body doesn't do anything without a reason. I think sometimes we think like, oh, our body's just broken down. It's just dysfunctional. It's not doing its job, but it does not choose to expend energy on these symptoms. It does not choose to bloat you. It would prefer to actually repair your hair, your skin, and your nails. Your body would actually prefer to do the jobs it's meant to do. It's actually having to prioritize and expend energy on stupid symptoms to let you know that something's wrong. It, the bloating, the um, constipation, the diarrhea, the SIBO, all of that is there for a reason. That's not to say that the symptoms are not affecting your life. That's not to say that the symptoms are not uncomfortable or they uh, don't affect your, your quality of life, but the symptoms are often not the problem. They are the solution, the body's solution to the problem. And we sometimes get very caught up in chasing the symptoms and trying to suppress the symptoms that we forget that the body is not trying to communicate something to us. Yeah. Do we, can we like riff on one of those symptoms and how you like approach one of those symptoms and help lead um, someone through that? So, and you could probably pick the one that you see the most that women struggle with the most. Yeah. So I think constipation is one that's really big. Um, So I can just kind of talk about that, but I actually approach almost all gut issues the same. I've learned over the years working with women that when you chase symptoms or you really try to focus in on a symptom and relieve a symptom, like, oh, I'm constipated. So I'm doing anything I can to relieve the constipation. You're often going to find that eventually another symptom is going to pop up because you didn't deal with the root cause. Now I'm not saying constipation is annoying because it is, but (laughs) it's one of those things where if you get to the root, it will resolve itself. Your body will move its own bowels. So a lot of times I like using constipation because it's a, it's a very common in a hypometabolic state. What's happening is a multitude of things, a multitude of factors. So let's say someone is hypometabolic their their metabolism is struggling. Their temps and pulses are low. They're not having regular bowel movements. And if they are, they're not satisfying. Um, maybe their hair is dry, thinning, falling out, or they're just feeling overly stressed, whatever it might be. They have other metabolic symptoms that will often be paired with constipation. You're never going to find constipation like just on its own like oh I'm just constipated and that's my only problem (laughs) because it's a vicious cycle right you you, the the slow metabolism is causing constipation issues but then you have constipation causing a reabsorption of toxins you have a reabsorption of estrogen going on you have um, a, a constant pressure on the pelvic floor from excessive stool in in the intestines so they're both gonna affect one another but what I will always look at, and this is what the gut course is going to be reminding women is we're not going to focus on an individual symptom and try to relieve it. We're going to really try to heal from the mouth down and look at the body systemically. And over time, trust that the body will resolve its own problems because we have to go and really work towards being mindful when we eat. We can't be in that sympathetic state while we're eating. So we have to work on getting out of that sympathetic state into parasympathetic. And for some women, that might just be a mindfulness of, hey, I'm sitting down to eat and I'm feeling very stressed. What can I do to you know, bring my stress down? Um, but for some women, it might be more complicated. There are women who really truly don't have the tools within themselves at the moment. They, they can't 
reach out and grasp it because they're just feeling so overburdened by everything to reach out and, and create peace and calm within themselves. And so that might be an, a need for a little bit of some outside support to work through those, those issues and work through some of that emotional baggage to get us out of that pattern so that we can really start a new pattern or a new program. So everyone's going to be different there. One woman might be able to just sit down and say, I'm going to take a few deep breaths. So I'm going to journal it out. And some women may not be able to do that quite yet. And that's okay. So it's really gonna, I'm gonna try to really meet everyone where they're at. So the first thing is just managing stress. And then the second thing is building stomach acid. So sometimes when you work on your nervous system, you naturally build that stomach acid, but stomach acid is made of sodium, it's made of potassium, it's made of B vitamins. So I like to take a nutrient first approach. Yeah, sure. You could supplement stomach acid, you can, you know, just take HCL and, you know, call it a day. But I want you making your own stomach acid if you can that's always there as a tool. And so we, we would implement the nutrients to work on the stomach acid. We'd implement the nutrients to work on the gallbladder and the bioflow. We'll implement the nutrients that the pancreas needs to make enzymes and bicarbonate. And then wherever that the body is not able to rise up and that meet that need yet, because it's still a little bit too depleted, there will be information on how to support those things. And my hope, it's like a domino effect. You push one domino down, you work from the mouth down, and eventually the bowels are gonna move. Like it's it's only a matter of time where the body's gonna be moving things on its own. But I like to take a, a very nutrient and mineral approach because most women are very minerally depleted in like things like magnesium and the colon is a muscle. So calcium is gonna contract the muscle and magnesium is gonna relax it. And so if we're calcium, we have cal too much calcium and not enough magnesium, we'll have tight, tight bowels and they won't be able to do that full release or that full relax. So there's a lot of, um, caveats to it but at the end of the day it's just nourishment on a deeper level and really learning how to tune in a little deeper and say where does my body need support and how do I approach that support yeah um so you've gone deep into this um like out that mouth to anus and you've yes. looked at the whole entire digestive system and then spent time on each part of it to look at okay how can we fully support all of these pieces of our digestive system alongside of the state so what is the state that you were eating in even if i tell you you know to eat these foods we need to look at you know, this, this state of the, you know, where is that, am I kind of hearing that right? Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Exactly. Like what's the state that you're, you're eating in and even more, we go deeper. What's the state that you're living in? You're choosing non-food nourishment too, from a place of either, um, where you are nervous system balanced or nervous system imbalanced because we choose our relationships that way. We choose our jobs that way. We choose everything in our life, you know, the friends that we have, the people we surround ourselves with, all of those things either nourish us or deplete us. And we will choose those things from the place of how we perceive ourselves, you know, what type of, um, how we see ourselves and what we think we deserve. We will choose that, the nourishment that we think we deserve. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, when we think about the gut and we think about something like constipation, we just want to go straight to the, the certain protocol that's just going to fix the constipation or it's going to yeah. fix my bloating. You know, I, I'm going to remove just these certain foods because I get bloated from them or, you know, this gives me diarrhea, but 
the approach from what I'm hearing and the research you've done over the last couple of years is just coming back to this. Okay. We need to like zoom out, look at your whole digestive system. And instead of just chasing the symptom or the protocol, that's going to fix the, just the constipation, we're coming back to, okay, how can we support the digestive system fully? And then looking at all of these other pieces, which are you know, when we're going to go on our journey moving forward, which is the emotional piece and the. Exactly. You're spot on. And really also learning. I think a lot of people are stuck in the symptom chasing mode. So what they do is every time they experience a symptom, they clench up their whole bodies, just filled with fear that, oh no, this new symptom has happened and I need to figure out how to fix it right now, or I will die, you know, and it's, <laughs> And that, just that response alone is often keeping us in a state of, of fear and a state of imbalance because things are going to pop up digestive wise. There's going to be things you don't react well to. You might get a bout of diarrhea. Maybe you'll travel and get some constipation. That's normal. Your body's reacting to its environment. There's lots of changes and our environment as it is right now is very unnatural to our system. There's many things that are unnatural, which I hit a lot in the course that our body is constantly in an environment. It's having to react to in some way, shape or form. We don't live near a river or on a creek bed in a tent and see a campfire every night and cook our food over a fire. Those are not things we do anymore. And so our body is having to constantly respond to this very non-natural environment that we are now exposed to as well. And those, those reactions are good. It's how the body is seeking and achieving balance. It's not bad. You, if you're, if you didn't have any symptoms, you might not be alive, you know? <laughs> I love that. And I, that, I think that's so powerful, Jess, because I see the same thing with training and the body and feeling a sensation that might be uncomfortable or some discomfort or pain or even around injury, like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's actually a great thing because it's sensation and pain and discomfort is information, which allows us to see, okay, what do we need to work on in the body? You know, what do we, and we have such a a fear around sensations. <laughs> yes. Where do, how did we get here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, physical sensations, emotional sensations, but I see it so, so much in the training space. And it's really cool that you, yeah, you brought that up, this, this whole like clenching up when the body gives us information. It's yeah. purely just information. I don't even like calling it a symptom because it's just, it's just a sensation, which is information. Yes, that's, yeah, that's all it is. And we give it way more power than it deserves. Yeah. But like, don't get me wrong, like being, you know, uncomfortable or being in pain every day, like that's not fun. No. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be there. Uh, and so things like you're fully nourished and the, and the gut course are helping educate, but also helping women maybe with some systems or some strategies that they can start to look at or implement to not chase their symptoms, but to, I guess, help, you know, just understand their body and these sensations a little better. Right. Yeah. To zoom out and to see yourself for who you are. And I think I always say that 
understanding your physiology and learning your physiology gives you wisdom or context to apply information to and research to. Because a lot of people right now are just seeking out research, seeking out any research studies they can. They'll just be like, oh, this research study said to take this, so I'm going to take this. Or they'll just seek out information. And there's information everywhere. There's too much information. We'll never learn it all. And the information can actually become overwhelming and dangerous when we don't have anything, any context to use it with. So that wisdom, that context, that's what I try to give women is there's plenty of information. I, I can give you all the information all day long, but that's not really doing anything different. I want to give women context or wisdom so that they can learn information and know this applies to me. This doesn't apply to me and can easily kind of weed through the BS. Yeah. So you're not going to give us a, um, you know, like a 12 week gut course. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those listening. All right. Jess's gut course is just, she ain't giving you a 12 week um, gut course where you're going to, you know, just clean out your entire system and <laughs> not eat anything and yeah. drink some juice and take a laxative and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. You're going to learn about more about your physiology, more about nourishment. Yes. Yes. More and I, I give a lot of tools. I love to give tools and action steps, but I'm not someone that's going to tell you exactly what to do or give you a quick fix because there's plenty of that out there. If that's what you're looking for, that, you know, there's plenty out there to find. I know personally from experience that that just doesn't work. It won't work for you. And I'm not going to waste my time trying to give you something that's super sexy, but not actually going to do anything for you. Yeah. And this is, you know, one of my biggest missions with my work is teaching women how to train the processes, the methods, how to listen to their body, you know, how, what did training teach them, uh, you know, how to basically, you know, be able to move themselves and modify their training and understand their body. And, you know, my teachers and coaches taught me all of this stuff that now when something comes up in my body, a sensation or there's pain or discomfort, I can manage that myself. I have the tools and I can navigate myself through that. And I tell my women like, and it even like makes me tear up. It's the most empowering thing that we can do with our training, with our gut, with our food. If we truly understand our body and how to listen to it and respond to it and nurture it and nourish it, train it. I think it's the co most coolest thing ever. It absolutely is. And it also, it saves you so much pain, so much trouble because I see women and I work with a lot of different aged women. And sometimes I'll work with women who are 50 or 60 and they've chased this their whole life. They've what I call contracted out their health and their happiness and their autonomy to everybody else but themselves. So anytime they felt something uncomfortable or they didn't like something about themselves, they would immediately respond with fear or shame or guilt, which I say is usually the common drivers of why we do what we do. Um, and they would just do something and hand it off to someone else, whether it be you know, oh, my guts, my guts in trouble. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here, go here, go here. Never once thinking why, what's going on? What, what, what was the catalyst to this situation? 
was there a gradual onset? Was there not? They think that they're not the expert on their own body and they're not able to make those decisions or those conclusions or observations for themselves. And so if, if women come away from my work from anything, I just want them to know that they are the own, their own best expert on their body because they're the only ones that live inside their body and they're the only ones feeling what they're feeling. You could work with anyone and they will never have the experience that you do because you are inside yourself and that's it. That's the only person. And your body is the only thing that's going to be with you from the day you're born to the day you die. So you better get used to knowing it and be friends with it rather than be constantly at war with it. Yes. Because I said, I, you know, I, oh, I believe that like, it's all, it's disrespectful for this constant, like outsourcing and not to take responsibility and wanting to learn about our body and truly own it. And I just think what, how disrespectful for our body. Like, this is like, this is your one body. This is, this is it. This is all you got. And yes, like maybe you can create some changes like aesthetically, but only to a certain point, we can't drastically, you know, change our, our actual structure in our body. And so I just think, come on, like, let's like respect it, respect your body and start, yeah, start like doing all the things that we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I just, and I also think that when, you know, we look at someone and we, we start comparing it, it's supernatural, you know, to do that, but also, you know, we just want to get there. Like we want to get healed or we want to get strong. And I'm like, God damn it. I've been doing this for like 11 years. Like it's super disrespectful for you to just say like, I just want to be there. And this is like too long or too hard. And I'm like, I've just spent 12 years like in the practice. And like for you to say that it's super disrespectful. Like you need to. um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I explained it in the course uh, as like you and your body have a relationship with each other. And I call it manipulative, where you want something from your body. And so you, instead of having a com- communication, a conversation like you would with any relationship, you say, I want you to do this and I'm going to abuse you into doing that. Would you ever do that to someone you loved? Would you ever do that to your partner, your your child? No, that's not the way you go about getting what you want. It's it's a constant almost working together and you're constantly communicating. And you can talk to your body, but your body talks to you through different ways. And so if you learn, like imagine if you came to into your relationship and you needed to communicate about something. And so you communicated the way that you do. And the person just constantly said like, oh my God, I need to fix that. I need to fix that right now. I need to stop doing that. I I want something else to happen. You'd be like, oh no, I'm just trying to tell you something. And every time they just freaked out and they tried to fix fix the situation or ignore that it's happening or have you take a pill like, oh, stop doing that. It would be very exhausting and it would also really foster a very bad relationship over time. And so the that's what happens a lot of times what you see in women's physiology is their body continues to communicate to them. Let's, let's use hunger signals as an example. Just a simple like, hey, I got a hunger signal and I'm hungry. And the outside world is saying, suppress your hunger. Hunger's bad. Fat do this, do that. And your body's just like, Hey, I'm hungry. I need food. <laughs> and you just say, no, you're bad. Or like, no, you don't, you need water. You're, you're dehydrated. And over time, you're always like, well, I guess I'm just going to tell you in other ways. And your hair starts falling out and you get really mad because your hair's falling out. And you're like, I don't know why my hair is falling out where it always goes back to, did you honor and respect from the beginning 
No. And this was your body's natural solution to the problem because its job is to protect you. Its job is to keep you alive. It doesn't really care about your feelings. It does because it will protect you, but it doesn't care about your feelings in the way of like, I'm just going to sacrifice your life to grow your hair. Um, so it, it really does <laughs> come back to this transactional relationship that we have with our body. We think, well, I want my body to do something. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get, get it there. Even if that means disrespecting it, dishonoring it and manipulating it to get there. Yeah. What a beautiful perspective, Jess. I really, I love that around the manipulation. Yeah. yeah. I've never I, heard it framed like that before. Super cool. Yeah, actually, I found that because um, when I was looking into the polarities between the divine feminine and the divine masculine, one of the imbalances that shows that women are out of their feminine is to be very manipulative. So whether that be to themselves or the people around them, it's it's an expression of being out of sync with our feminine. And I thought that is really interesting because that's what we do. We often can be manipulative to others, but in reality, we often try to manipulate our own body into doing what we want it to do. Wow. Oh, my mind. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love what you have to say about disrespect because I know that the train the training sphere, I'm sure, um, probably has a lot of that because you know, people are after aesthetic goals, which I understand. But sometimes the aesthetic goals, we don't see the work that co- goes in to somebody's aesthetic when they've truly put down their head and trained the way like you have, for example. And even just healing, like all the work that we're talking about now, like it can be the emotional work, the gut work, the, you know, just it's, there's, there's work that goes into it. Like this, you know, it's, there's a saying that we talk about like in movement world and training, especially Olympic weightlifting, someone will say, oh, you make it look so easy. And you're just like, (laughs) fuck you. It's like (laughs) not easy because like, you know, you've got thousands of hours of like practice and and the art of it is to make it look easy. That's the beauty of looking at, you know, when you lift, you're like, oh, that just looks so beautiful and easy. But the work and the effort and the investigation and, and, you know, this, all of the stuff that we have to do, that's like the hard work and, and we don't see that. Right, right. Because that's not the stuff that we will post on Instagram, you know, and that's, I try to remind women in all spaces, like that is not the work that is sexy, that people really want to hear about the pain, the discomfort, the hard, the hard parts of it. That's the stuff that we as a society continue to move away from. We don't like that. We want quick, easy, like TikTok style video, like three, give three minutes tops. Okay. Like three minutes tops. I I want it done. And if it's not done, we're done. Moving on. Canceled. (laughs) Okay. So let's move through our um, gut journey. So we've got the, the physical stuff. Is there anything else that you want to touch on when it comes to like the physical work before we move to the next, the next stage? Uh, um, I think, I think that's good. If something comes up, I'll kind of tie it in, but I think um, we covered the basics. Okay. Where are we going to now? The nervous system. <laughs> So this, this is particularly my favorite part of the, uh, part of the gut, because I think it's just the the most overlooked part. And for what I learned through, through my journey is that a majority of our patterns, our nervous system patterns are developed by eight years old. So from when we're born up until we're eight years old, we're kind of in this almost hypnotic 
hypnosis type state where uh, as our brain is developing, we are not, not necessarily aware that the world doesn't all function like our our individual family unit does whatever our unit is whatever our day in and day out experiences that is how the whole world functions we that's what we think because that is our relationship to the world we see the world through the lens of our family and whatever we're exposed to and so any you know everybody is going to have a different upbringing everyone's going to have a different experience in those first eight years of their life and whatever that is that our body perceives that as normal. We think that that is what is normal and we learn to protect ourselves in our environment, whatever that takes. So if our, uh, let's say if our mother is emotionally unstable, her emotions become our problem because she is our caretaker. She is the one that brings food, life, love. And so she could be the source of the love and the pain. Or if, if uh, somebody is absent, that is always feels like it's your fault because you are looking at the world in relationship to your family and you are, you think that it's all having to do with you. It all revolves around you because you just don't have the mental capacity to understand anything different. And so after we're eight years old, we often start to, you know, our brain starts to develop a little more and we start to realize, oh, everyone does things a little differently. You know, we start to become more aware of like, okay, but I don't want to say the damage is done, but the patterns are set and that is our pattern unless we work or are aware of it. We often aren't aware of it growing up. Some are, some aren't. But once we hit, uh, you know, 20s, 30s, we're very aware of our patterns because we are living them. Um, and we can often see that in relationships, whether that be, you know, our children, our partners, our friendships, that's where they really start to come out. And what I've noticed, and, and the reason why I think this work is so important is I started to realize people would say like, well, I'm just an introvert or I'm an empath. I have a very, you know, I have to really, um, after, you know, for four days after social situation, I have to just replenish myself and come down from the, from the stress of it. Or they'll just be like, oh, I get really stressed in social situations or, oh yeah, every time I hang out with friends, I'm, I'm super stressed. And I realized that these were very similar patterns for women. And I would ask them, you know, why is hanging out with your friends so stressful? And it would be, oh, that's just the way that I am. So they were perceiving that these patterns were just the way that they were. And this is what really started to interest me into trauma work because I started to realize this is affecting them metabolically for mm -hmm. sometimes two weeks afterwards. They would skip an ovulation because of it or skip, you know, skip a period because of it. And that really got me to the point of, okay, there's something going on here that's so much deeper, subconscious work. And I would encourage them, you know, work on managing your stress, work, you know, work on managing your stress. I would refer them out and it would still be difficult because these patterns are, are programs that are running subconsciously. Um, and this, this internal, um, I would guess say stress would to overtake their physiology. Their physiology is now dominated by their fight or flight. So no matter what... <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Wrong pipe. I'm okay, but okay. yeah, I'm choking. Just, just choke <laughs> all you need. Don't, don't, don't stuff it down. <laughs> That's the most miserable feeling. Keep going. The okay. show must go on. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah, what I realized was that as women went through fully nourished, which mostly focuses on the physical aspect, they would start to realize that these patterns, these, these emotions would start to express themselves. They would start to manifest more and more. And what I realized is that the nourishment is allowing their body to start processing the trauma of their experiences. And so what it was doing is it was now their body has its physical needs met, its energetic needs met. It has the energy to do what it needs to do. And so now that second layer of the onion is starting to peel back and the emotions are starting to purge, which I actually think is a lot of what the uh, sometimes uh, pro-metabolic or weight gain or healing pounds is actually from. You'll look at a lot of emotional workers and they will talk about how um, weight is how we physically handle the burdens. We actually get bigger to handle the burdens of, you know, emotional baggage or that we will actually uh, put on fat to create safety or padding between us and the outside world or our trauma. And so these are things that I think women don't really recognize they're maybe dealing with at first, but as they become more aware of their nourishment and more aware of their physiology, they start to realize like, why am I so stressed? I'm always stressed. I can never say no to anybody, constantly doing things for uh, everyone else. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I physically cannot get myself out of that. And it's because this stuff is now, you're now aware of it. And so this next layer of what to do about it, well, there's no right answer. It's more figuring out how do I support my body physically through this? Yes but also going to that deeper layer of the emotional work was, is allowing yourself to feel your way through it. Feel the discomfort, feel the pain, feel the shame, feel the guilt, feel the sadness, face it and say, that is not, um, those things are not true. These stories I'm telling myself are not true about myself. They're things I'm carrying from when I was maybe very young, maybe two, maybe four, maybe five, maybe 10. These are things that we've sometimes carried our whole life that have directed our decision-making and our experiences, but they don't have to anymore. Yeah. So when you um, work through this second layer uh, and we become aware of these things, I feel like that's, we would get, we would feel really stuck and, and overwhelmed. And like, how do you help, you know, women through that? Or is it uh, them going to work with, you know, someone else to get support or yeah. What does that look like, Jess? Yeah. So I think it is going to look different for everybody. Um, Some of that stuff is out of my scope. So I encourage and educate, but I think a lot of women do need to figure out what that's going to look like for them. And everyone has many layers to their story. So I think the people that think like, oh, I have no trauma, they often need the most um, awareness or working on it. And sometimes it the first step is just creating awareness. If you have those patterns and you don't even really, you're not aware of them at all, you're not aware of why they're happening. The first step is to dive a little bit deeper into that and say, what is driving these behaviors that I've always thought are normal that maybe are not serving me anymore? So the awareness is is key. Once you're aware of it, doing something about it is really up to you and figuring out what you need. Now, I definitely think the somatic work is very important, the actual feeling work. So the shape the dancing, the brushing, the um, 
I would say almost just like letting things move through you. Women, we need to actually flow through and feel emotion. We feel in our bodies, whereas men work through reason and they kind of think through things, reason and logic, where we feel things and we need to feel them. And so that's not going to look like any set thing. Um, I, I think it's very important for women to spend time with themselves. I think music can be a great uh, kind of vessel to get you to the place where you can just move through. Just doing like intuitive dancing, intuitive stretching, just moving your body, moving your hips, moving your torso, um, crying, you know, screaming, using your throat, uh, using your diaphragm, getting the sound out. But I say, use your senses. So hearing music or other sounds, whether that be frequencies, um, use your nose. So, you know, aromatherapy or, um, you know, preparing yourself something aromatic that that smells good or tea or even yoni steaming where you're using herbs to, to really nourish those tissues. It, it doesn't matter, but you can use, you know, you work through your senses um, feeling. So putting on something that feels good, silky robes, linens, something that feels really good, really learning how to be in your naked form, I think is important. Being naked is a great way to work through that. It can bring a lot of feelings up and that's a good thing. Um, so working through, you know, I said, uh, smell, touch, um, ears, you know, hearing, and then taste is important. That's where I think nourishment comes in, where you're really um, not just feeding yourself because you're like a dog that needs to be fed, but you actually want to enjoy your food and use nourishment as almost a spiritual experience. And then uh, colors are very important. So I think a lot of women, when they're in that kind of dorsal vagal state or the fight or flight state, they often opt for things that are simple for their brain. So white, black, neutrals. You'll notice amongst women right now, neutrals are very popular, grays, beiges. Why are women drawn to these calming colors? Because their mind is chaos and they need something relaxing in their environment where I encourage women to use color as a way to brighten the spirit, brighten the soul. And that could be anything. That doesn't have to be your decor. It can be a shirt that you put on. It could be a piece of jewelry. It could be crystals, just anything. But using your senses to really almost be sensual and feel through your emotions and understanding that sadness, guilt, shame, um, even the good stuff, happiness, joy, all that stuff will move through. And it needs to move through because they're emotions, they're fleeting, they're feelings, and they need to be felt. They're meant to be felt. So that's important. And then other work, I mean, that I think is important, I really like EFT, emotional freedom technique, I think is just such a great tool that most women should really have some type of coping tool that allows them to get emotion out of their body fast, move through that fast where they can feel and feel better, have something to, to use. Um, I'm a big fan of, of hypnotherapy. I think hypnotherapy is an amazing way to get deep into that subconscious, that small, that inner child part of ourselves and to rewrite our stories very, very quickly. But there's a many different nervous system-based courses, you know, people like uh, EMDR, um, some people really like talk therapy. I just really encourage women to use a integrative approach that's nervous system oriented so that they actually have a way to work through the feelings rather than just talk through them because you actually need to feel them. Mm. Yeah. The feeling. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Or it will stagnate. And that's what often we're feeling in our gut. And I think what I've told women is you need to um, learn how to trust your gut to to feel your, or to heal your gut. So learn how to trust your gut to heal your gut. If you don't, if you can't uh, honor those gut feelings, you can't work with the gut, then that, that healing will never take place. And so it really is about learning to feel and to trust your body. Yeah. Listen to your gut. That's the saying, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) We say it. Yeah. I also like to say sometimes listen to your ovaries, you know, that Mm. place of like intuition, but yeah, the the gut also works really well. And then what's there, is there a third layer to it, Jess? Yeah. I mean, they all kind of work together. So that feeling of it, it's important to understand that we do Um, store physical manifestations of these emotions and traumas in our tissue, specifically in our fascia. The fascial matrix is so complex and it connects us from the top of our head to the tips of our toes. And what people don't understand about the fascia is that there's so much more to learn and it's very slow going. The literature, the research is very slow going. I mean, until 10 years ago, they just called it connective tissue and just cut right through it. You know, they just call it connective tissue. And now they real, they're starting to realize that there's memory in the fascia, there's uh, emotions in the fascia. And then the fascia, if you look at it, it actually uh, brings hydration and lymph fluid throughout the whole body. So when it's knotted or there's adhesions or we have movement restrictions or areas of injury, these areas are how our body stores things away. It will tuck things in there. Sometimes it's actually because of our emotional trauma that we have these adhesions and these restrictions, especially within the pelvic floor or the pelvic diaphragm. We store a lot of emotion and and trauma in our hips, our, um, even our, our anus. It's where literal, the literal shit, both physically and literally goes. We will clench our butthole around it, literally. Um, And then we store tension in both our jaw, which is going to reflect the the pelvic floor. And that's where we're going to focus mostly in in the gut course. Of course, we could look at the whole system, but the abdominal structure and and the pelvic floor is really where we store a lot of that tension. And most women who have gut issues tend, because they're so uncomfortable or bloated, they're constantly sucking it in, right? Constant suck in of the the pelvic floor, constant um, tension there. And they don't even know how to relax that area anymore. Those muscles have become overworked in some areas and underworked in some areas. Areas. And so talking about the nourishing the tissues is going to be a part of that because sometimes physically releasing those areas and working through that structural tension can actually create a lot of relief from for both the gut, but then also the emotion. So they kind of all will be in a layer of their own, but they also all kind of very much overlap. Yeah, the, um, the pelvis and the pelvic floor and the hip stuff comes up a lot in my work. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. What do you um, see the most? Uh, um, like chronic hip pain. I mm. see a lot. And now there is some like physical structural stuff to that where, you know, a lot of women I work with have given birth. And so, you know, it depends on their birthing story, their birthing process, what happened to the body, the trauma of the physical birth. Um, but then I also see 
the side that you're talking about around um, the fascia and the stagnation um, because if we think of like the pelvis and the hip you know we are just like straight up and down or we barely even move really like we don't really move the hip joint and so you start to get into this whole practice of like softness and fluidity and like moving a joint or a structure in a very different way that um you know impacts the tissue very differently to just like laying on a foam roller and just rolling out the fascia it needs to be moved like in more of a complex way so when we start to get into this like the softness work and the you know looking at the structure of the joint and creating mobility and flexibility a lot of shit comes out <laughs> i love it yeah sometimes we'll do like very hip focused sessions and afterwards it's, it's extremely emotional for them. Like mm. a lot of stuff comes out. Like sometimes they'll say, Amy, I'm feeling rage. <laughs> like, like emotions just will surface up as we start mm. to like work on the tissues around the hip and the pelvis, especially if there's a lot of scar tissue stuff there, old trauma. And these emotions just cut, start bubbling up in the sessions. And then afterwards, it's like quite tiring. So then their nervous system, their body is quite tired because of the, the moving and, and the processing. And that's a good thing because we've just like moved stagnation. Yes, yes. That is incredible. I, I know that a lot of women who are, you know, I encourage my students to do pelvic floor work and even just hip opening stretches. I mean, it's something as simple as that. I think that's why we often as women, we're maybe not aware of it, but when we start to work out or start to strength train, that's why um, doing slow movement can actually be so difficult. It's where I, I notice a lot of women want to rush through their workout. They want to just go for deadlifts or, you know, squat, 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 and then be done. They, or when they're doing hip thrusts or whatever it might be, they seem to just move through it as fast as possible because they cannot sit with the discomfort. And I think a lot of times we're storing things there that we don't necessarily want to, we don't want to, um, I guess we could say like uh, poke the hornet's nest. We are trying to disassociate from it. And that's what a lot of us do. We disassociate from a lot of areas in our body. There's numbness there. There's, there's just a disassociation. And so part of this work and this continuation of my work, which is going to be this course, is really just about less disassociation and reconnecting with the deeper parts of your body. So now you're nourished. You've done fully nourished. You've hit the foundations. Now now you're ready for this deeper work of digging in and actually reassociating with your tissues, reassociating with your nervous system and getting to a deeper level, just acknowledging and honoring your body. Yeah. The, you know, the slowing down and mm. in, you know, when women come into warrior school, I slow them way down and we mm. go way back to What's the structural balance of the body like? What are the tissues telling me? What are like past injuries, um, you know, surgeries? I want to know all that information because I want to know what's happening in that part of the body that's had trauma and stagnation. And it's not just about learning the movement pattern or not being able to squat. There's so much more to it. And so when they slow way down, they hate it. There's so much friction that comes up with it because yeah. everything is so slow and controlled and 
not just physically uncomfortable, but like emotionally uncomfortable, mentally uncomfortable, because like you said, Jess, we want to move through things. And yeah, even though it's painful, I'm just going to move super fast. And so the pain's not going to last very long. And then poof, it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah. But if we slow down and we have to look at the quality, you know, of what we're doing, we have to pay attention to the sensations. And I get them to like, they need to note down where did they feel it? What did they feel? How did it feel? You know, what is the body telling you? And that Mm. creates a lot of friction. And I can see the the same thing maybe coming through like the healing journey. And then when we talk about the gut and all this work that is in the course, it's going to create a lot of friction. Yeah. Would you say? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love what you said about the quality and feeling the sensations. It's so important because our society is very much like quantity, push, 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 like as hard as you can, no pain, no gain. So I love that. But yeah, it definitely is going to create a lot of friction. That's why I actually did a whole section about preparing your mind for unlearning and actually sitting with your discomfort, which (laughs) I think is an important part because if you're going through something and you're constantly triggered by it, it's okay to feel triggered. Like you're, it's okay to feel triggered. You don't have, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just going to be emotionally triggering because those are the areas that need maybe some work or those those are the areas that we actually do need to work on and heal. And that is the part of life. Like that's the beauty of it is that's how we grow. If we constantly avoid the pain and don't look deeper and don't take a magnifying glass to it and ask why it's there, then we're just going to kind of bumble through life, just avoiding everything that's hard and not grow at all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My partner, uh, Carson, he uh, is an RMT, so he's a practitioner, but he's done some coaching in gyms. And I remember him coming home one day and saying, why do females always cry when they're like pushing themselves hard in training? They will end up sometimes in like tears. And often, you know, me, I've coached women for like 13 years and it has come up a lot where they'll be in a session and they'll be experiencing something or they'll be slowing down. And all of a sudden this rush of emotion comes out and they cry. And I remember when I was healing my back and the first, you know, Uh, five or six months of just feeling so weak and so broken and being so stressed and starting to work with my coach, I used to cry every session that I had with him because I think we just store so much inside. And so when we start to move the body and move the body in a way that is like what we're talking about, slowing down and dealing with like mobility stuff and flexibility work, there's so much emotion that has to come out. And so often yeah, training or a practice, a movement practice helps release that, that out of us. And so I tell my women all the time, it's, it's great that you're crying. It's great that the emotion is actually coming out and you're expressing it. Yes. Be frustrated, you know, feel everything that you're feeling. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes. I love that. I think, I think that we've gotten so used to going to the gym as like a stress relief or like a, dis, a that's like our disassociation session where we can like push our body so hard that we don't have to think or feel anything. And that is not the way to move. We, to move, to actually move really, I say like nourish your tissues is to sit with it and to really work through it. And that is actually very difficult. So I love that you you do that with your women that's uh, amazing because most people are just like suck it up <laughs> <laughs> and 
I only do it from my own experience. Look, I do it because I experienced it, you know, and I still experience it. And I think it's such a beautiful, and this is why I call it a practice. You know, it's not working out. It's not exercising. It's a practice. And, and part of the pra- practice, I think, is this beautiful connection to the body and, and building trust with it and, and learning about it and letting things release from it. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to touch on when it comes to the gut, to your course? Like, I want to know like some of the details, like when are you birthing it into the, you know, how close is the baby? Um, it's, to be- it's, it's pretty close. Like the, the content, I don't like to give dates just because it's the content will come when the content comes and I don't want to rush this one, but uh, next, the next couple of months for sure. Um, uh, I guess I would say that it is a, just a unique approach. It's, it's, there, nobody's done this before. So it really is like a very trailblazing type course. It does focus on the nutrition. It does focus on the nervous system. It does focus on the tissues and the mindset aspect of healing. But we also really do dive into minerals and, and nutrients. Um, there are plenty of gut protocols out there that I think are, you know, many people do them the same way. It's kind of that like kill, destroy, and then, oh, we'll rebuild later type mentality. But I take a full body trust, you know, trust the body approach and really nurture the body approach. And so part of it is balancing minerals and working on that um, mineral metal balance. That's a big aspect. A lot of people don't realize that metals displace minerals and minerals displace metals. And so for a majority of us, because of our stress and our nervous system, imbalance when we're stuck in fight or flight or when we are in freeze mode we burn through these minerals very very quickly and what people don't realize is when we do do anything um, we create space for something else so nature is about balance so if there's space it will be filled by something and when it comes to mineral deficiencies it's going to often be filled by metals because the body can use metals to do the jobs mineral it can use minerals for but it's not going to do them quite right but it will use them to fill the fill the, the gap and so that's a big one is minerals and metals are very often very imbalanced and dysregulated in a lot of our bodies now just because metals are um, just out of control in our environment and minerals are very depleted in our, our food and our soil. So it will take a very large mineral approach. And that of course could be its own podcast in and of itself. But a lot of uh, the reason why common gut protocols don't work is because they're not actually acknowledging that what is does the body need on a cellular level it's just looking kind of at the surface of like oh you have bacteria kill it oh you have fungus kill it oh you have parasites kill them but what people don't realize is when you do that again you create space and something else more opportunistic might take that place and it might take a few months or a few years, but you're going to be back to square one or even in a worse place because now your ecosystem is completely different. So it's always better to let the body take control of that situation and provide it what it needs rather than trying to do it yourself. Because really, in reality, we know nothing (laughs) about the gut. Um, Gut research is very primitive, very new. Um, There are hundreds of thousands you know of organisms that have never even been discovered they don't even have names for you know i think they've only mapped i think 10,000 so and there are billions <laughs> so to say that you could just oh take a test and fix your gut like that's just it's so primitive at this point because there's just not 
the research or the knowledge there that I don't think that um, doing it yourself or DIYing is a good idea. Why don't you let your body, who's the only one that knows how to do it, do it and just support it in that process? Yeah, so we can be, you know, eating certain foods, eating pro-metabolically, but there's still a gap that you're seeing around, we really need to understand this minerals, the, the metals, and then how do we actually support our minerals? Yeah. And some people have damage from, um, you know, just like excessive antibiotic use, just different things. Um, even, you know, in the fitness sphere, it's very common to use like sucralose and aspartame. That stuff is very destructive to the gut, you know, dyes. You know, a lot of us grew up eating a lot of PUFAs, a lot of um, seed oils. Those are very destructive to the gut. Um, NSAIDs like Advil and or like ibuprofen uh, and acetaminophen. Those are very uh, destructive to the gut lining. So those, you know, over the years, we often create imbalance without really realizing it. And then if we're having an extra, you know, we go pro-metabolic or we just start supporting our metabolism more, eating more nourishing foods. A lot of people have problems specifically with carbohydrate because carbohydrates are prebiotics. They feed bacteria, they feed fungus. And if they're in a place where they don't belong, then that can sometimes create a lot of discomfort. So sometimes we've gotten ourselves into a pickle that just nourishing and not actually getting in there and diving a little deeper doesn't quite fix. Right. So you started to see some gut stuff come through just by um, increasing carbohydrate intake and then yeah. more gut yeah, stuff yeah. came up. Yeah. And it will often create that kind of weight loss resistance or insulin resistance that a lot of people will see is like, no matter what they do, they are feeling like they're just constantly bloated and they have that belly fat that they can't get rid of. And so those are, that's the kind of, um, people, those are the people that I'm trying to help and meet because a lot of the, um, the attitude in this space is kind of like, oh, just keep eating pro-metabolically and you'll, you know, eventually it will balance itself out. And that may be true. That may be the case, but some people would like to offer their bodies a little bit more support, but don't necessarily know how to do that. And that's where I'm trying to, to really bridge that gap. An important gap to bridge. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. Jessica Ash. <laughs> should we finish there? Sure. Sure. Unless you want to, unless you want to talk about something else. No, that is plenty. That is plenty. <laughs> I really like how your dog starred in our podcast. I know. I was like hoping you couldn't hear his, his bark, but oh, I don't <laughs> he's mind too loud. <laughs> yeah. He's got a beautiful, deep bark. He's, uh, he, he's very, uh, um, serious about it. He's very serious about his job as the protector of the door. The I was just going to say, is he seeing something out the front? Sometimes it's bunnies. Sometimes it's UPS, you know, gotta, gotta keep it safe in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Samson. Samson. Yes. He's a, he's a big German shepherd. So that's that deep, that deep bark. Yeah. Do you take him out? Um, most mornings for a walk. Yes. Every morning, every night, we need the, the two walks a day is a must. I, yeah. if I, if I try to skip it, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he will not mom, let me. Mom, 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 mom. Yeah. 
And they have that very like uh, almost uh, OCD type behavior where if you miss the routine, it's, it is not okay. We are not going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Hank woke me up this morning at uh, 10 past five. Uh, uh, because it's light and we normally get up around 5 36 o'clock uh, and he has his breakfast straight away but this morning he was clip clopping around on the floor and just he will come to the side of the bed and just stare and then like do this silent like mouth thing and he wanted his breakfast so here I'm up at 10 past five getting my dog breakfast and then he's just waiting around because the next step is you know I I have a snack and make some coffee and next step is walking and so you know we're out the door at at six o'clock and (laughs) And off we go and then we get back and then he has like a um a kong or a bone they're so routine and if you yes. miss it yeah <laughs> if you miss it it's not okay it's not okay <laughs> people don't understand either because they'll say like oh well, why don't you just skip it and I'm like you just don't understand the routine is the bible okay it is it is god itself if we we miss the routine it it's not okay for anybody (laughs) it is not okay yeah if I miss something he will come and stand and just look at me and again just do that silent mouthing thing like and I I know what he wants and Carson sometimes will be home he'll be like oh just ignore him like oh what does he want and I'm like I know exactly what he wants because this is the next section of the bible (laughs) this is the next it's the same way like he's a dog like he can handle it I'm like you don't understand it's my baby (laughs) I I did a reel the other day and it was Hank and I eating watermelon in the sunshine and a couple of people on there just like put like spewy faces or like oh my god that's so gross and (laughs) And they thought it was so disgusting that I was what? sharing a piece of watermelon with my dog. <laughs> I just wrote back to them going, it's good. It's good for your gut. It's good for your immune system. It's good yeah. for <laughs> but they were like, but I'm like, he's my baby. Like I let him lick my face. Like he sleeps in the bed. Like, yeah. Even though, yeah, sometimes he eats cat shit. Sometimes he probably eats human shit, but like his mouth, he hadn't eaten any that morning. So, and his palate was cleansed with watermelon. Uh, Yeah, so I I get it. People people on Instagram are so funny. (laughs) It's really, um, yeah, it's it's quite funny what um, creates friction with them or like just, yeah, it's, it's extreme. Yeah, you can say the most bizarre thing out of this world and it's fine. But you tell them to eat breakfast and shit hits the fan, okay? <laughs> yeah. Eating breakfast is triggering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like telling them that, you know, you're not a fan of fasting or <laughs> eating watermelon with your dog is offensive, Amy. Yeah. How didn't you know? <laughs> I, I know. I, I didn't know. <laughs> All right, Uh, Jessica Ash, this has been an absolute pleasure. It always is. Thank you so much for having me. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, 
please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.